0: Hello, world, huh? The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Oh, my goodness.
1: Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like
0: that? The wait is over for Canadian fans, and the dream is now a
1: reality for Brooke Henderson. And Corey Carr's day indeed has arrived. He's a winner on the PGA Tour. A clutch
0: up and down for Mackenzie Hughes. Oh, my goodness. Time for The Golf Show with Brent Gunning and Sam McKee.
1: Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is.
0: The return to glory. On the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Look at that. First week with our fancy new intro. That's right. The golf guys, Brent Gunning and Sam McKee, but it's just me this week. Uh, Sammy deserving some well-deserved uh, time off. I believe he's enjoying himself on the, uh, the best coast, the West Coast right now uh, in lovely BC, Alberta. I don't know. He's out there. There's mountains. There's lakes. Uh, there's a couple of drinks uh, according to the Instagram stories. looks like he's having a great time. We'll be back uh, in the thick of things for the open championship next week. But today I am riding solo here. Brent gunning just with you. I'll be here with you until nine. Of course, the golf talk is not done when I'm done talking today at noon. You want to tune into RBC off the tee. That's with Ian Leggett and that's across the Sportsnet radio network from noon until 1230. I'm going to have a couple of my buddies join me today. John McCarthy, you hear him on the station all the time. Of course, he is a national golf writer for the Toronto Sun. I'm going to get John's thoughts on the tournament this week. And you know, the, this week in particular in the world of golf is a really, really weird one. It's a great one. Obviously, you know, we're all kind of sitting here waiting for the major that's going to come next week. But whatever it is you like in the world of golf, you get it this week. Do you want, do you want like car crashy side shows? Hey, we had the match. I don't know, part six. How many of these have we done now with uh, Bryson Deschambeau and Aaron Rodgers getting the best of Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady? If that's your thing, you got that on a Tuesday. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the most enthralling bit of golf entertainment we get on the calendar every year, I'm going to tell you I'm thrilled to watch two of the world's best play golf on a Tuesday afternoon, and that's exactly what I got to do at a beautiful, beautiful course. I think that we're in Montana there. Always love seeing an amazing track that we just never would have seen. I guess we saw that at the Paines Valley course that, that Tiger uh, Tiger designed. We saw that uh, at the kind of last iteration of, of the match there. So we got that. Now you've got your kind of regular PGA Tour stop. If if Luke Liss leading the way gets you excited, then that's what you got at the John Deere Classic this week. He's got a one-shot lead on Sebastian Munoz. Maybe I'm burying the lead a little bit there because we've got a Canadian in the hunt there, Canadian Nick Taylor. He is tied for 10th. Uh, he is just three shots back of list. obviously a lot of bodies between him and the leader, but not a lot of ground to make up. We'll see what happens uh, this weekend, this afternoon, and uh, this weekend in Illinois for the Canadian there at the John Deere Classic. But I'd say the thing that is kind of front of mind for most people in the golf world, obviously, again, you're sitting there thinking about the major that we're going to have next week. But. Over at the Scottish Open, it is a logjam of a leaderboard. You got tons of names you like. You got tons of guys you're used to seeing. John Rahm, the guy who's the most most recent major winner, he's flirting around the top of the leaderboard. I think he dropped a shot uh, on his first hole of the day over there at Scotland, and you know it's just it's nice to have all of these different things. I am a sucker for Euro Tour golf, mostly just because of the time. I'm an early bird. I love getting up. I went for a nice run down by the lake this morning. And I love it when I can either uh, before I go or when I come back get a little live golf. That's why the Ryder Cup, when it's in Europe, is always a favorite of mine. That's why the Open Championship is my second favorite major shocker. I I love the Masters the most. I know Sue me. Not exactly the uh, the the hottest of takes there. When it comes to the the golf on the Euro Tour this week, though that's the one you've got to watch. One, because you have so many guys that are over there already prepping for the major that we're going to get next week. But then it's also just a slightly different style of play. Now, I was shocked when I turned it on. You know, you expect the Scottish Open or the Irish Open or next week the Open Championship. You expect these linksy courses with blustery wins everywhere. I'm looking. This is like a tree-lined, park-lined course. Yeah, they've got the tall fescues and they've got the undulating greens, but it's not exactly what you would have expected when you when you sit there and look at, you know, what you think of a, a golf course in, in Scotland, in Ireland, in the UK. And then and like I said, it's just kind of a, a pick a smorgasbord of golf this week. Pick whatever it is you like and uh, you've got it. One thing I've got for you right now is my buddy. I've been lucky enough to tee it up with him once. I was lucky enough not to be out with him when he got dumped on in the rain this week. Uh, Boy, it's been blustery out there in in southwestern Ontario. Uh, Joining us now on the golf show, national golf writer for the Toronto Sun, John McCarthy. Johnny, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm great. How are you?
2: fired up fired up uh you know rare rare playing is a single for me you know i'm a i'm a very social golfer often i'm i've got my group of buds i'm i'm rarely the single so as i'm playing a single on the golf show i'm happy to uh happy to have you out you know first things first uh do we get the shoes uh waterlogged? i know you got absolutely stuck in it out there and there are a few things that remind you just how much you love golf uh than, than getting stuck in a downpour like that
1: yeah that was my uh open championship preparation i guess um I did get everything dried out, although my wife wasn't really crazy about having my golf bag and three golf gloves sitting in the front hall for a day or so. But it's all done. It's all dry, and I'm ready to go.
2: It's so funny how that works out. I know... I think it wasn't last year but the year before it just seemed like right before every major I had conditions that would kind of lead up to it I remember right before I played at a U.S. Open I uh, made the mistake of getting out to a, uh, a municipal an unnamed municipal course in Hamilton uh, that didn't quite get the uh, the maintenance crew out there and there wasn't a lot of fairways so I felt like I was just hacking around in the rough played in blustery rins right before a UK or the Open so yeah it's always nice when you can kind of get those those little bit of uh, you know course conditions for you yourself you know heading into i I was kind of setting up the show about what a weird week this is for for the game you know there's there's big euro tour stops every every year where you have be it in dubai or or wentworth or there are other big stops but this is the one week where it really kind of gets slammed home to me of just wow yeah if you want to see all the best guys they're over in europe and it's just kind of a it's a weird kind of situation we don't find ourselves in as north american golf fans that often
1: No, that's true. And like you said, you can watch whatever you want this week. You can watch golf all day long. And and I I mean, they're over at the Scottish Open preparing for the Open Championship. But it's also sort of it's our preparation. We can wake up and try and watch (laughs) golf as early as we possibly can. I've got it on in front of me here. Looks like Lee Westwood is. Oh, he's in the rough on the right. No, it's down the middle. He's okay, Um, but. there's also the Champions Tour. they got the U.S. Seniors Open, and then on the PGA Tour, I, I kind of like some of these events because you get a, a real chance for uh, somebody to sort of change their, their career and their life when you have all the, the be- a lot of the best players playing somewhere else. It's sort of like an opposite field event feel. And so you have you know, a chance for a life-changing event on the PGA Tour, a major on the Champions Tour, the Scottish Open. You really do have your pick of anything uh, you want to watch.
2: Yeah, and then you have the the true kind of like sideshow, uh, depending on your, your perspective, car crash events too. Like you have the match earlier this week. You have that celebrity <laughs> event going on in Tahoe. Like it, it just – it really does kind of give you a, a little bit of everything. Let's uh let's kind of sit on the, the John Deere for a second. You know, you talk about guys who can have kind of life-changing wins. I, I think life-changing is probably overstating it a bit seeing as how, you know, he's won on tour before and he's won on tour somewhat recently. But, you know, Canadian Nick Taylor sitting right there just – Three shots back heading into the weekend you know again not not to say that this would change his life but boy it would certainly provide him a ton of of security if he was able to have a big weekend this weekend
1: yeah I was thinking about Nick when I when I saw him moving up the leaderboard yesterday and it's funny because he he is the only Canadian of this generation of of our players that has already has two PGA Tour wins so the everyone else you know Hughes and Hadwin and Connors they're all hunting for their second PGA Tour win. Well, t- Nick got his at Pebble Beach when he took down uh, Phil uh, Mickelson. I'm trying to remember if it was last year or the year before. This COVID year has been so weird. But he got his second win at Pebble Beach. And the interesting thing about about Nick is he can he can contend on sort of any kind of course. He can play. He's had some good uh, results on very difficult courses. He can also contend in these shootouts. And, and he, he's a very uh, sort of a calm, quiet, Demeanored guy almost sort of in cory connor's look as far as personality but man if if he could get his third pga tour win, that puts him into a entirely different class and you think about his game he, he's such a good all-around player and that you know he's a he's a he's not as good a ball striker as cory connor's but he's a very good ball striker he's not as good a putter and chipper as mckenzie but he's a really good putter and chipper so he's got Sort of that overall game that can sort of show up on leaderboards um, a lot and then if he puts a week together as we know he, he can win and imagine that a third win while the other guys are still sort of hunting for their second
2: yeah, it is It is funny. I think if you kind of just gave most people the fact and kind of laid out those those four guys and said one of them has two wins, I, I don't know how many people would, would pick Nick Taylor correctly there for that. And, and, you know, it is interesting what you touched on there, too, because Hadwin kind of has – now he, he's he been going through it a little bit. But it, it's, it's funny you say that because with Hughes and with Connors, it's the very apparent thing. And I'll even, you know, mm-hmm. I'll include Brooke Henderson to this. It's like the way she drives the ball. It's like with all three of them, it's like there is this – dominant skill that you immediately think of and you know even someone like myself who follows the game you know as closely as I do I can't say when I think of Nick Taylor I think of anything other than a tailor-made hat and the guy plays Mario Kart like it is it is weird (laughs) that he's the one who has the two wins but he doesn't necessarily have that kind of I don't know defining trait for lack of a better term
1: yeah you're right and I mean if you're going to, unless you're one of these elite top 20 players, having an all around game obviously is, is something that, that will help you show up on leaderboards and make sure you have, you have your tour card. And obviously, a third win will make sure he, he locks it all up. But uh, also, you're right, though, about Mario Kart. Anybody that good at Mario Kart, I think, is dangerous <laughs> on the golf course.
2: Well, and you you talk about many different ways to win you know blue shells, bananas, red shells like there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of things he could play around with there um I do want to ask you about the Olympic team. I, you know, C- Canada's gonna have great medal chances on, on both sides. You know, Connors and Hughes have proved they can get hot with the best of them. Obviously, Henderson is a you know top five, ten player in the world at any given time, and and Elena Sharp has proved she can compete uh, on the LPGA tour. It's just I, the thing I keep going back to is the frustration I find with the Olympics. And look, I'm I'm thrilled golf is back. I would not I would not want to lose it but it just feels like there's there's just we're barely scratching the surface like you throw a team event out and i'm not even asking you know these players to hit any more shots than they already do but just find a way to kind of incorporate their scores into some team event it just feels like it would just make the olympics that much more exciting you know i think about and obviously golf isn't swimming but there's ten thousand medals for swimming and and you know 50 meters 100 meters and backstroke and breaststroke and front crawl you know any myriad of ways you can do it and with golf it's there is a stroke play for men and there's a stroke play for women and let's go home and dust our hands of it like it just feels like there's there's a way more exciting event just lurking beneath the surface
1: no i, I agree with you and i mean we have our we certainly have our fill of uh, stroke play 72 hole events throughout the golf calendar so it would be every time it's something different you know people do get interested so if it was if it was something different and it was the olympics i really think you would increase interest not only from fans but also from some of these players that sort of show a bit of a lukewarm interest in, in going over to the olympics in the middle of a busy schedule if, if it was something slightly di- more different interesting i think you might get a, a better buy-in from the some of the players and it's already but the stroke play we're not having it's not the best field in the world it's not going to be a field like you're going to get at the open championship because with only a maximum of you know most countries are sending two players if you're in the top 15 in the world you can send four players but you so you're only going to get four americans so you're not getting the best on best competition so if you're not getting that you maybe do need something to spice it up a bit and well i was thinking they're there two weeks anyway so why not play the stroke play in the first week for both men and women and then have a team event in the second week and i know it's more golf for these guys but i do think it's it's something that's interesting and they would consider fun and i think uh, it would definitely be better as a fan to give out you know four gold medals instead of two
2: yeah. And it personally, it's just me pounding, m- pounding the drum for, I need to see Brooke Henderson in a team event. She's maybe the most, uh, one of the most dominant athletes we have. And she's been, uh, and you know, I mean this nicely, but relegated on the sidelines of, of team events for, for her, her side of things there. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. A, it, it is so interesting with the idea of, of doing that. And it's just, it's always going to come back to the buy-in of the players, right? Like the idea of getting them there for, for the two weeks. I, I like you said, they're already there. It, it seems like you could do it. Um, what yeah. we're talking, about the olympics I, I have to ask you and i'm sure you saw this uh siwoo kim sung jm skipping the open now i was unaware of why when i first saw this so if you missed the story they are going to skip the open championship because they one of if not the only way is to get out of their mandatory military service is to win a medal at the olympics and i didn't realize that and i i was dumbfounded when i first saw it but yeah when you see what they have kind of going or what they have waiting for them if they're unable to medal at the olympics yeah it seems like a pretty smart decision all things considered
1: no, I certainly agree. I mean, I'd have a hard time not rooting for them over anyone if you see them in <laughs> in the hunt because talk about something that would change their life because there's been several South Korean players that have gone back for the two years or so military service and, and they have a very hard time. I don't think any of them have come out of it um, at the form that they've, they've gone into it with, even with time to sort of uh, reacclimate it's just cuz it's it's such an important part in their development i mean sung jm is one of the best talents on the pga tour right now he's he was world number i think he's around 25 27 but he was he was in the top 20 for uh, for a while and he's he's one of the best ball strikers in the world i watched him at the president's cup at royal melbourne he was teamed with adam Hadman, so i was following him for a round and he's incredible i mean the guy can hit the ball as well as anybody in the world so it would be such a such a shame for as a golf fan to miss the you know how he's in his early early 20s so it'd be a shame for him to have to leave for two years and then try and put it all back together when he comes back I think John Rahm when he was asked about it he said well if I'm in four, if uh if I'm in third and he's in fourth we can maybe talk about it he says we can come <laughs> to some sort of agreement he said I like uh, I like Korean food we can maybe have a have a deal going <laughs>
2: I like that. I like that. Uh, John Rom w- might want to uh, not say that out loud anymore before he gets <laughs> Sung Jae in like a ton, of ton of trouble. Uh, it feels like they might laugh a little less about that than, than you and I are this morning. Uh, I'm right there with you. And you know, uh, Hey, it's the golf show. It's so it's my chance to get Uber golf nerdy. I always think of Sang Moon Bay. I mean, he made a president's cup team right before he had to go do his, his mandatory military service. And one of the last professional shots, it's seared into my brain. I can only imagine how he feels about it. Is it, it was on, like a, it, was, it was like he was playing a Stanley Thompson design. He was playing the super elevated 18th tee or 18th green, and he hit a chip, and it just rolled right back to his feet. And that was one of the last yeah. professional golf shots he ever hit before having to do that military service. So yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody I'd want to see medal more than than either of those guys. Uh, we we do have the uh, the Open Championship coming up next week, but as I mentioned, the guys are in Scotland right now. Um, what I don't know what's uh, what's more odd, what's more unexpected, uh, Rory McIlroy. Really struggling the way he did missing the cut or some guy just walking up and saying uh give me that head cover give me that seven iron taking it out of his bag while he's waiting to uh tee off on the first tee that was that's one of the strangest incidents I could think of since what the guy doing the bird call during Webb Simpson's U.S. Open U.S. Open win like I, I'm trying to think of stranger kind of fan moments than what we saw with McIlroy there over in Scotland
1: it, that was bizarre, and it, it was almost more disturbing because of, like, it, it's almost, it's less disturbing to have a guy run out in a skirt and dance around like he did at, at <laughs> Tory and hit a ball into the ocean, because, you know, it was, it was, oh, the intent- yeah, how could I this forget guy's that? In- <laughs> th- This guy's intention is what we don't know, because he was a, it's strange to walk up and sort of so casually grab, grab a club, and, I mean, even try that at your Try that at your local muni, and you're going to get dealt with harsher than you were than he was dealt with at a European tour event. So I think there's going to be some some uh, somebody's going to have to answer for that because um, you know I mean really try that. Go to your closest golf course and take a club out of a guy's bag on the tee and see what happens to you. But I also think uh, if you think back to. Tiger Woods and Steve Williams. Imagine someone trying to take a club out of Tiger's bag. I think Steve Williams would break them in two. But uh, Harry Diamond looks like a lovely, lovely chap. But uh, he, he doesn't look necessarily like he's Rory's body man
2: out there. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the most confrontational. It was. It was less. Hey, stop that, and more. um... Could you not? Maybe. I, uh, well, when you're done, how about you just put it back in the bag whenever you're done? Uh, whatever it was. Yeah, that was that was really uh, just just uncomfortable to watch. Like It was just just awkward. Like you said, there was a lot of kind of pensive nerves on the tee box. And I, I can't remember who was paired up with him, but, you know, he's part of the feature group there. It's other big yeah. names who are with him, and they're just standing around like uh, maybe I don't want to say anything to this guy. Cause yeah, you just, you, you don't know what's going through their mind. Um, you know, looking ahead to, to the major next week, you know, McElroy, obviously he's always going to be a name that pops up heading into these majors. I don't know how much you read into the fact that he, you know, showed some pretty poor form this week. And I believe he missed the cut, but it just, it it, it just seems to me like just another kind of check against Rory. And I, I'm, it's almost to the point where I need to see it before I can truly believe it in a major, despite how talented he is.
1: No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it, I think it is going to happen. One of these times where he does put it all together, but I don't think we, you can count on it or bet on it and, until it happens right now because uh, he's he's obviously not in the same form he was when he was winning majors, and uh, and then there's something about majors also that seems to sort of now get in his head. So I think we need to see it before we could, we can count on it. And if I was making picks, I probably or I definitely wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't have him in there at at the top of my list.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm a Rory guy through and through, but it just it, we've we've done this dance, we've seen it so many times. Um, you know, one guy who I think is maybe going to be the most interesting guy in the field next week, both uh, to see what he shoots and see how the crowd handles him, is Bryson. Uh, I don't believe he's named a caddy or found one yet. That's just going to be a circus that's going to follow him around all next week. And qu- quite honestly, I personally can't wait to see it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking a bit about him going over to an Open, and, I mean, it doesn't seem to suit him because uh, he's a guy that likes to sort of take all the variables you can take out of, out of the game of golf and, and break it down to, uh, you know, do this here, do this there based on the math. But you go over to the Open Championship to Lynx courses where it's the rub of the green or, you know, there's luck involved. That doesn't seem to work well with his sort of philosophy on golf. But then I was wondering, like, is there a chance that one of these might not be this year at the Open, but he goes over there and sort of a light bulb does go on where he realizes there's a a slightly different way to play golf and he's got all the talent in the world and the power to play at the highest, highest level he's already shown. But I wonder if maybe the breakthrough to make him the player that we sort of think he might be might actually happen at an Open where, where the luck plays in and there's so many variables that all of a sudden maybe his, his computer mind fritzes out and he just has to play golf for a while. And he realizes that he's a, he's a pretty good golfer too.
2: That's such a good way to put it because you know, I, like I know it's such an easy comparison and we kind of always fall back to it, but the thing that made tiger tiger, Yes, he, you know, he, he understood how to hit all the shots and he was a, he was a computer kind of before Bryson was in terms of knowing what to do, but he was also such an artist and he would try these things in the helicopter finish and shaping balls. And it feels to me like Bryson is just kind of completely Lost touch with that aspect of the game, and it has to be inside of him for how talented he was before he became this iteration of itself. Like, I think that's a really good point about like kind of leaning on the artistry as opposed to just the kind of calculations.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, it's not just Bryson that has taken some of this artistry out of golf. If you look at a lot of the young players coming up, they they're pl- they're all trying to take out some of the variables, which is which is a good thing to do to score well generally day to day in golf. I mean, a lot of these players are now playing a single shot shape, especially off the tee, trying to take out often take out the left side of the golf course, um, and it bodes them well week to week on the PGA tour. I mean, they're get in the hunt, you can you can contend, but then you get to these venues like the Open Championship or even like Kiowa Island at the PGA, where all of a sudden you need every kind of shot that you can ever imagine where that one shot that you've perfected or that what you've been trying to do week to week, it doesn't work out there. It doesn't work when you need, when there's a a big wind or you got to play it on the ground or at Kiowa where you need all sorts of shots, which is why when of course it was a massive surprise that Phil could win, you know, in his fifties. But when you think about a course like Kiowa in those conditions, it demanded every type of golf shot known to man and who has every type of golf shot known to man? Nobody has more golf shots than Phil Mickelson. So when you think of it in that light, it kind of makes sense that he could win there, which when you go to an Open Championship, you start thinking maybe if they get some weather in the wind, you start looking at some shot makers, some more creative players, instead of sort of the week-to-week contenders on the PGA Tour. And that's why we often have different favorites at an Open Championship than you do uh, you know, at other majors.
2: All right, that wow, that that's well put. There's a lot there that I'm I'm going to pick up because again I'm I'm flying solo here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up some of what you you just put down there uh, when I let you go. But one last question for me, Johnny: If if golf was played in a dome, I used to think for the longest time, like there's no weather, there's no wind, there's no rain, it's just a dome, it's basically simulator golf, but you're actually out there playing it. I used to think Rory McIlroy would be the best player in the world if you just took out all of the elements, and if you want to include the fans in that. Who do you, who do you think that guy is now? Is it is it Bryson? Is it Rory? Is it somebody else?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, Bryson obviously would be a, would be a contender there. But I think the fans coming back has actually hurt Bryson because he seems to. It, it is such a sort of hysteria that he's brought on himself that the fans are only adding more to it. I mean, I think right now at this moment, it's got to be John Rahm. He has shown that he's. He is right now a cut above the rest, and, and uh, he's doing well at the Scottish year. Every tournament he plays in now, and now he's the world number one. He is, uh, I think he's the best player in golf quite clearly right now. And it's interesting. You think back at, at Rahm and his connection to, to the Mickelsons, and they all yeah. saw it coming because so Tim Mickelson was John Rahm's coach at Arizona State, and then he left his coaching job at Arizona State to become Rahm's manager. And he only, he only left being Rahm's manager because Phil needed a caddy, so now he's Phil's caddy. But Tim Mickelson obviously saw the superstar that he had at Arizona State. And then there's that story, I'm not sure if you've heard, about Phil making a bet with Colt Nost about uh, when John Rom came on tour, or not even came on tour, when he turned pro, he had no status on any tour. But Phil made a bet with Colt Nost that he would be in the top 10 within a year, which seems insane. You turn yeah. pro, you're a kid at a school – have no no you're no, not eligible on any tour and he says he'll be a top ten within a year so he took the bet and sure enough with a few weeks to spare John rom went from no status on any tour to a, to a top ten in the world within a year and now he's the world number one he's got he's got all the game he's got the artistry he's got the power he's uh and he's now got the mind for it he's turned into a sort of a, a very mature golfer for his age which you wouldn't have thought so five years ago but he's he's the best player in the world I think he wins he wins in a dome, he wins on an island, he wins he wins anywhere you put him right
2: now. Oh, that's that's well said. I did not know that story. I love that story. And knowing what we know about Phil Mickelson, if there's ever a way, you know, not that he was, not that Rom wasn't already endeared to that Mickelson clan, but you win Phil a bet and boy, uh, yeah. you're you're in the good books uh, forever. Uh so happy you brought up Colt those. Absolutely love the job he's done. Yeah. Uh, breath of fresh air to the coverage just like you were to the golf show this morning john thanks so much for joining me really appreciate it bud
1: no problem one last thing about nick taylor and super mario kart Mm. i did ask him as a golf journalist which character is the best to play with and he says toad so if anyone's playing their kids in super mario kart you should select toad if you want to if you want to finally beat your kids
2: there we go. You, you heard it from Nick Taylor through John McCarthy. Uh, there he goes, John McCarthy, national golf writer for the Toronto Sun. Uh, follow him on Twitter at John Love, love, love getting John's perspective on stuff. Also, if you're just looking for a fun Twitter follow, little snark, a lot of humor, a lot of golf, uh, you definitely want to make sure you uh, you you follow him along there on Twitter. I, I'm happy every. I, I'm happy to hear him say what he said about John Rom there because. You know, I could even go back to the kind of last time the, the Scottish Open was, was played, and we were getting ready for an Open Championship, and yeah, that was a long time ago. That was two years ago. Rom was ripping it up at this kind of you know run of tournaments this two years ago as well. Like this is a, clearly an area he's very comfortable with. You know, with him being Spanish, the sevy comparisons are always going to be there. I think they're obviously a little overstated, but to what John or what John just said about playing with artistry, you know, that's clearly a part of Rahm's game that he's very very comfortable with you know he can drive the ball he you know tee to green he's as good as anybody but he has these ability to pull off these little chip shots in big moments we've seen him chip in two or three times when it's really mattered we've seen him make how many big putts at Tory now when it's really really mattered we've seen them at the memorial as well it's just a guy who knows how to win big tournaments he's got the major under his belt and yeah I, I uh, he's going to be the betting favorite when all is said and done heading into heading into the open next week and I'll give you a few bets before we get out of here today coming up next on the show Stephen the deputy manager editor for Golf Digest but speaking of bets he's host of the Be Right Bet podcast we'll get his take on what's going on this week on the PGA Tour with the John Deere and then of course look ahead to the Open Championship in Royal St. George's I'll give you some of my bets as well I got a great Victor Hovland story for you and I'll give you a little bit of history of Royal St. George's which will host the Open next week You're listening to The Golf Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Golf Show continues to roll along here. Brent Gunning flying solo. And, you know, would you really be friends with someone if they didn't twist the knife occasionally? The guy you often hear in this time slot alongside me, Sam McKee. He just had to let me know that he hopes I'm doing well and then he's about to tee it up at lovely Predator Ridge in BC. Of course, you can listen to us right now. You're listening on Sportsnet 590, the fan here in Toronto, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver or Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary. As always, you can hit us up on the text line 590, 590. Please include your name and location. Want to know uh, where you're teeing it up this weekend? Always, always, always want to have that on the go as well. Uh, The text line is where you can uh, reach me. Let me know what's going on. I want to give you some that's as well before the show is done today of course uh, you know John Deere that's going to wrap up tomorrow obviously you may be able to find a little value uh, depending on what the uh, leaderboard looks like at the end of today but of course everybody uh, looking ahead to the open championship as well uh, joining me now on the golf show here again on Sportsnet 590 the fan Stephen Hennessy, a deputy managing editor for Golf Gu- Digest and the host of the Be Right podcast uh, Stephen how you doing this morning
0: Brent, thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing great. Pumped for the uh British Open coming up. And we got the Scottish Open on this morning. Uh so it, it's a good time in golf.
2: Well, let's just let's let's just settle an an age-old golf debate right now. I notice you called it the British Open. I try to call it the Open. How do you feel? Is it a tomato-tomato? It doesn't matter. Do you do you ever just go open? Are you strictly a British Open guy? Where are you at on what we call this tournament on this side of the pond?
0: A great question. I think, you know, it's a little early. I haven't had my full cup of coffee yet. I, I think <laughs> the Open is the proper way to call it because you're not offending anyone uh, one way or the other. I think the Open Championship is how... Um, the other side of the pond obviously refers to it. That's what it was. Uh, that, that's the name of it over there. And, you know, us over here in North America, um, you know, we distinguish it from the U.S. Open, I suppose, by calling it the British Open. But, you know, that gets people in the U.K. a little angry. So, yeah, I think the Open, just like that, is uh, is the perfect way to call it. At Golf Digest, we do say, British Open in our headlines because we know people in North America search for British Open uh, for their content about the Open, but you really can't win these days when you debate something like this as, collo- as colloquial as that.
2: that. That That's right. You really can't win. I think what we can all all... I think what we can all do is we can all agree that champion golfer of the year. The first time we heard it, we rolled our eyes a little bit, but now we love it. And it's definitely a uh, part of the vernacular. Uh, I got to give you credit. Now, I think this was you. It could have been one of the other guys in your podcast. I believe it was you, though. Was it you who nailed Cam Davis at the Rocket Mortgage last week? Was that, was that you or was that one of your hey. podcast uh, partners? I did that was me uh on the podcast and
0: at golf dot com we have our weekly uh betting column, and one of our contributors brandon Gadula, uh nailed him there too so yeah, we provided a winner a couple of ways and at 101, hundred one that you know pretty sweet
2: yeah obviously uh you've you've got to love uh that that's got to be one of the longer shots you've hit in the the this year or the last little bit i'd imagine for sure right
0: i i think that's the longest shot of hitting golf for sure, yeah, yeah that was uh <laughs> and that was awesome and it seemed like a lot of people were on him too it didn't seem like you know my pick was out of the blue that you know i saw like 10 to 15 people were also on cam davis uh, you know on twitter all these golf guys i follow so um yeah it you know one of these really young talented kids uh who kind of tears apart par 5s and that was the key last week at rock and mortgage so you know Anytime you can hit a winner in golf, it's so tough to predict winners in golf. But at 101, that was, uh, that's going to stay in the memory bank for a while.
2: So you say you liked seeing that some of the other people were on it. And I, I guess on one hand, that makes it feel less flukish, for lack of a better term. But boy, it would feel great if you're just out there, chest puffed. You and you alone had Cam Davis. Like, I feel like, be it, like it, it had to take just, just a little bit away that it was a, uh, a more popular underdog, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, that does make sense. Uh, yeah, if I was alone on that island as Cam Davis, I, I would have definitely been pumping my chest more. But it's fun. You know, there's this whole community uh, amongst golf gamblers on Twitter that, you know, we all kind of give each other picks and we root for each other. So in that way, it was kind of a communal win. And, uh, you know, always fun to be celebrating a big win with, with the boys like that.
2: For sure. So, so do you think it's kind of almost a little look like we all, we all get jacked up for the majors. We're going to get super excited for the open next week. We, we got excited when, when John Rom won at the U S open, like we get excited for all these things. But if you really want to dive in and get nitty gritty with the gambling, it feels like some of these, you know, it's unfair to call it an alternate field event because this is the PGA Tour stop. But with so many of the top guys being over in Europe this week, it feels like, the, the, uh, you know, an event like the John Deere would be a great place to kind of find some value and just kind of have more fun with, with the, you know, names, finding value on names you just normally wouldn't look at.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially because we've seen a lot of winners at the John Deere in the past be, you know, really long shots. Um, Michael Kim comes to mind a few years ago, Dylan Fratelli, when he won in 2019 um, definitely wasn't a known entity over here in North America. Um, So yeah, it it was a fun week to handicap. I do have a few uh, names at the top of the leaderboard that I'm hoping for, uh, you know, come through for me again, but um yeah you know not the biggest names, obviously, the biggest names are over at the Scottish Open, but um it makes it interesting when you you know put some some dollars on a guy uh who's a hundred a one uh something like that, and then they're in the mix come the weekend that that's really all you could ask for.
2: Yeah, it it really is. Uh, you know, you you mentioned the Scottish Open. Uh, I I want to dive into something that happened over there. Albeit, uh, well, I mean, you know, maybe maybe this guy would say it affected his play. Uh, Rory McIlroy. I you you retweeted out the video, so I know you saw it. Of the guy just walking over and kind of grabbing the seven iron and head cover out of his bag. This is the kind of second time in the last handful of weeks we've seen this. Of course, there was the guy who who had that that beautiful swing. Uh, he was showing off on on one of the fairways at Tory when he just ran into. To the the fairway there now right. we have this guy grabbing clubs out of McElroy's bag uh is this something golf kind of needs to be a little weary about like we're all learning how to go back into society and and maybe us as golf fans need to be checked on that
0: yeah I mean it's a great point um, you know Torrey Pines that that was interesting and you know the guy had like a hula hoop on or something and um, that was an odd sight and to be you know on the final day of a major especially but this was even a little more spooky because this guy got so close to Rory McIlroy and Jon Rahm uh, picked the club out of his bag and, you know, no one knew what to make of it. I I think part of it might've been uh, the European tour has been uh, very clever in its social media videos in the past. So I think part of uh, Rory's reaction might've been, Oh, this might be some spoof that the European tour is doing. Maybe I should go along with it, but, you know, during – it was a Thursday, so the first round of a competition, you know, the social media team knows better than to, to mess with Rory uh, before he's about to tee off. So that was odd. It's just – I can't believe the lack of security that someone could get up to, you know, two of the best players in the world and and do something like that. You know, I guess it's a little different over there in Scotland. They're, you know, a little more friendly, I suppose. And, and even, you know, when they were taking the, the guy off the course, like – you know, over here, you know, there would have been a policeman like grabbing them and, you know, maybe pinning them down on the ground. But, you know, there was none of that. It was kind of just like him, you know, they grabbed his hand and, you know, and walked off the off the tee box. But definitely eerie. And I, I think you're right. I think we got to be cognizant about that going forward. And the interesting thing is a lot of these top players um, in other sports have their own personal security. I wouldn't be surprised that this sort of an event, uh, you know, sparks a guy like John Rahm and Roy McElroy to have someone following them around just in case something like this happens. It's a good thing they didn't get hurt at all.
2: So it, it's funny. This is just reminding me of this now. I did not intend to bring this up, but I'm talking to uh, Stephen Hennessy of Golf Digest here on the golf show. Uh, Brent Gunning with you this morning until nine. Nine. I was lucky enough to go to uh, – I, I uh, saved up. I splurged, went to the Tiger Woods Golf Tournament in the Bahamas, the Hero World Challenge. And I kid you not, they had walking with each group two police officers. Now these are like old school English. Cause it's like, you know, the colonialism down there and they have got just the batons with it. And it was just a great subtle message of like, you don't need guys with guns or anything like that. But it was a very subtle uh, boy. Yeah. You, you want to keep these guys safe because it, it is kind of the double edged sword. Cause I I've made the point time and time again, that there is no better ticket in professional sports. Like you, you spend whatever your kind of general admission ticket is for the tour event that comes closest to you you cannot get closer. You cannot get better access to the brightest stars of this game. And it's just something that I think, I think we got to be kind of careful of because we don't want to lose that access. Like think about how great all those videos are that we've seen throughout the years of Tiger Woods hitting those shots. And the gallery is right on top of him or, or any bright star today. Like it's just, it's such an important part of the game and I I would hate to lose it.
0: No, that's a great point. That is what makes, uh, you know, attending a golf tournament so great. And, I think you're right. Just having a couple security guys like we're down there at the Hero World Challenge, just, you know, this threat of, you know, taking you out in case you misbehave a little bit. I, I think that's really all we need. So maybe the, the Scottish uh, security will be a bit better next year.
2: Yeah, there there you go. Uh and again talking with Stephen Hennessy here. So we do have the open championship coming up. Have you started to look at any odds yet? Obviously, you know, the odds are gonna change a little bit depending on what happens this week. You know, you get a John Rahm win in Scotland. Uh boy, that would shake some things up. But uh is there anybody you're kinda looking at targeting yet, or are you still mostly focused on uh the John Deere this weekend?
0: Um I've started to, to take a little bit of a look, um, and the interesting thing for me was I, I had Lee Westwood kind of circled going into this week, and now you know, I look at the Scottish Open leaderboard, and he's right at the top. So I better put in my my bet before his odds get uh, you know slashed down in half. I think he's still fifty to one uh, at most books over here, and you know maybe he would get slashed to like thirty-five or forty. But I think Lee Westwood's interesting because we've seen. Um, you know we saw darren clark in 2011 win over there you know i, I just think a true knowledge of lynx golf is going to be uh you know a prerequisite to play well over there but the thing brent I, I really can't um i'm debating in my mind is you know we've had a couple fluky winners the last two times at royal st george's so you know darren clark I'd call a little fluky. Obviously he had a great career before his win, um, but he was older. No one really saw that coming at all. He was about 101 uh, or higher when he won. And then before that we had Ben Curtis, you know, who was definitely fluky. No one really knew who Ben Curtis was at all. But the the interesting thing is the other names on those leaderboards were all the best players in the world. If we remember back to 2003, you know, Tiger Woods was up there. Davis Love III, who was, you know, one of the best players in the world at that time. He was the leader going into the round and, and struggled. Um, and then in 2011, Dustin Johnson had probably had the best chance to win. He kind of yanked his two iron out of bounds going down the stretch. Phil Mickelson was up there, and Phil was in the top 10 in the world. So, you know, what I'm trying to debate in my mind is, you know, do I go to the the best players in the world, like John Rom, like Bruce Kepka, Dustin Johnson, or, you know, is it going to be, someone older like a Lee Westwood uh, or even more obscure than him, who's familiar with links golf, but doesn't have quite the, uh, you know, the pedigree, uh, you know, of some of these other top guys. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of my handicapping. I'm, I'm debating that. I'm, I'm still going to do a little more research, but Lee Westwood has my attention for sure. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, drawn to Louis Oosthuizen too after his Major success the last two times at the PGA and the U.S. Open. Um, he's 22 to one. That's a that's a heavy price to pay for Louis. Uh, you know he's got the same odds as guys like Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Victor Hovland, those kind of guys. So, you know I'm not sure if I'm ready to pay that kind of a price, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure he's going to be a popular pick this week.
2: Yeah, that's the uh, that's a beautiful thing about the Open Championship. Like you take one little peek at that forecast and you, you know, with a lot of other, you know, a a lot of times when I'm looking at the odds for, you know, be it the Masters or the PGA or the US Open, I kind of start with a pool of 20 guys and it doesn't get much bigger than that of names you can even really kind of consider for outright winners. And, you know, with the Open Championship and especially when you lay out the history of the venue like you just did. Yeah, you can go a lot of places. I do wonder just thinking aloud here, and this is totally just Ryder Cup demons living in my brain but I do wonder if 2021 Ian Poulter is all that different from 2011 Darren Clark I don't know just just thinking aloud here he's got the mojo going on he'll be uh, on the side of the pond he loves uh just just throwing that one at you quickly Stephen
0: that is a perfect comparison I was actually gonna bring him up to about 101 or so he's 45 years old that's what Darren Clark was when he won and uh yeah, I, I can see it. He's playing okay over in Scotland too. So it's a Ryder Cup year, as you mentioned. I'm definitely going to be betting on Ian Poulter this week.
2: All right, there we go. Uh, hope, hopefully we can we can call each other and laugh about this in a couple of weeks' time at, uh, at how well Ian Poulter did. <laughs> First time for everything that I'll be cheering for Ian Poulter if I get a bet in on him. Uh, Stephen, really enjoyed the chat this morning. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for having me, Brent. Enjoy.
2: There he goes, uh, Stephen Hennessy, deputy managing editor for Golf Digest, host of the Be Right podcast. There, and as I mentioned, uh, if you're looking to land some long shots, uh, he's not a bad guy to look after. He had Cam Davis winning the Rocket Mortgage uh, that that was last week. There, uh, love the chat with him. It was funny. He was talking a little bit about uh, the the 2011 Open. That's when Darren Clark won. And boy, as much as things change, they they certainly don't because Darren Clark won, and uh, I don't think he'll be in the mix. But the guys who finished tied for second were Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. And Of course, uh, both of those guys have won majors within the past uh, couple of years. Uh, Thomas Bjorn, uh, former Ryder Cup captain in the mix. And I have to mention it, uh, Anthony Kim was tied for fifth with Ricky Fowler the last time uh, the Open Championship was held at Royal St. George's. They'll be back there next week teeing it up. Uh, John Rahm, a guy I definitely uh, like to win next week. But when you look at those odds, there's just no way he's going to be uh, get give you any type of value. Maybe you get him at a top five or a top ten. We'll take a look at some odds. Also, I got a great Victor Hall. Hovland story uh, to tell you. One segment left here on the golf show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A couple of minutes here on the golf show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank everybody who helped me put the show together today. Producer J.R. Manitad, technical director Derek Brendeo, of course. Want to thank my guests as well. Uh, Stephen Hennessy just joined us from Golf Digest, and earlier on in the show, my buddy john mccarthy uh kicking around all things open championship uh we you look I bring John McCarthy on. You know we're going to get into Nick Taylor. And as he mentioned, if you're playing Mario Kart against your kids, uh, you want to use Toad. Uh, two things I wanted to flag for you before the show uh, finishes up today. Uh, last week, myself and Sam McKee, we had Rick Young on to discuss the the uh, Toronto review of its golf course operations. This is a survey on the city's website. Uh, you can simply Google a uh, review of city golf course operations Toronto, and it'll take you to the survey there. Uh, if you're a golfer who uses the municipal courses, get out there uh, and have your say. I don't need to rehash everything we talked about with Rick last week, but this is a really important thing. Uh, golf is important at all price points and places in this in this wonderful country, and that includes the uh, the city's municipal courses. So if you enjoy them uh, like I do, please get there and have your say uh, on that survey. I believe that closes uh, today. So you want to uh, make sure you get that in as well. Also, I wanted to flag this for you because, you know, we all we've all had our little moments where you run into somebody famous or something like that. But I, have, I feel pretty bad for these guys who are playing at a 3.50 tee time in Norway. Yeah, why? Well, they show up for their tee time, and there's about 200 to 300 people waiting around the first tee. And that's because it got out that Victor Hovland, who's taken some time off. He's not at the Scottish Open. He's not at the John Deere. He was just playing a friendly round with his buddy. And word got out to the Norwegian golfing public and there was a crowd of about two to 300 people there. Now, the group of guys ahead of him, one said his hands were visibly shaking as he was waiting, in the tee, or waiting to tee off. Well, there was, again, a couple hundred people waiting to watch, I'm assuming, this mid-handicapper at best uh, play out there. One time, I uh, kind of had to go off in front of about, I don't know, 25, 50 guys. And I wear an Apple Watch when I play golf, and my heart rate spiked about double what it normally is. So I can only imagine uh, how the how the nerves were going uh, for, for for those guys there in Norway. Uh, but that's what makes this game great. Sometimes you just uh, get a chance. Can you imagine? You're teeing it up in Dundas and Mac Hughes is around. or You're out in Smith's Falls and there's Brooke Henderson. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody who joined the show today. My buddy Sam McKee will be back next week with me. We'll have the golf show for you also at noon. Ian Leggett will have you covered with RBC off the tee. That's across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also, I'm wishing my buddy Sam McKee good birdie luck out there. He's at predator ridge in bc you got the scottish open going on you got the john deere classic including nick taylor in contention so you want to keep an eye on that next time i'm back i'll be talking to you about the open championship this is the golf show with brent gunning on the sportsnet radio network